At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. What's going on? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope all is well. The Pelicans coming off of a tough loss last night to the Phoenix Suns, 131 to 115. Pelicans will have a couple days off and then will be probably playing their biggest game of the year as they take on the San Antonio Spurs on Friday night to start a three-game road trip. We'll get to that a little bit later on the show. We want to welcome back in Keith Smith, now a friend of the program, making his second appearance here in the last couple of months, contributor to Spot Track Celtics blog and the front office show. You can follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. And why we have Keith on today is not only to talk about the Western Conference playing race, but um, if you follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, he posted a document yesterday about how to watch the NCAA tournament as far as draft prospects are concerned. I think that's a big uh, point of topic here as uh, March Madness has already begun with the playing games yesterday and later on today. And then, of course, the tournament will begin tomorrow. So we're going to have Keith help us kind of uh, tell us a little bit more about how to watch the NCAA tournament when you're talking about potential draft picks for the New Orleans Pelicans. Keith, how are you? Good to have you back on. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was trying to dive deep into that uh, document that you made. How long does that take you to, to put something together like that? Um, I promise I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty handy with that kind of stuff. So it was only probably maybe it was an hour's worth of work by the time I got the players in there and then went and found the schedule for the games and those kind of things. But yeah, I, I love the NCAA tournament, but I'm not a huge college basketball guy. I, I just don't have time covering the NBA to you know get invested. So I'll pop in and out of the bigger games and the prospects, but the tournament, the tournament's just, you know, if you don't love the tournament, I, I can't be friends with you. That's just, you know, the reality. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Here we'd have to turn this off if no one liked Mark Madness here. Um, <laughs> so when you're making this list, how, how do you begin? Because you talk about there's teams in the mid-majors and then there's you know the big conference teams that uh, have players they want to watch how, how do you begin that list to compile all those players that could potentially be in the NBA sure yeah the players part is 
that's kind of over several years. So what I do is each year I comb through all of the draft evaluators that I really trust and think are really good at this. Plus the people I talk to with teams to get a sense of, you know, who are the guys to watch and those kind of things. And then I just add them to the list. So sometimes it's, you know, when they're still maybe a, you know, a freshman and they, they haven't even played that much and I'll just plug them onto the list and just keep, keep updating. And then as it goes, you know, if they're drafted, obviously they get removed or, you know, if they really fall off or something like that, then I'll go back and take, take them out. But that's my kind of start of the season process. And then as the year goes along, I just keep up with those top 100 rankings for, for the most part, because mock drafts are good, but that's only going to give you somewhere between generally 30 and 60 players, depending on if it's first round or second round inclusive. And I really want to get in a little bit deeper. So I'll go through that. And then when the tournament comes around, then it's becomes a little bit easier. Like I said, then it's just pull those players over that actually made the tournament. This year, it's really exciting because most of the top prospects made the tournament. Sometimes there's might be two or three guys in the top 10 or 15 that don't. But this year, it's really exciting that the guys who aren't in the tournament are guys who aren't in college basketball. So, um, so yeah, so then, then that's how, how I'll build it out. I also use that as kind of those are the guys I want to check in on when I have time. You know, a lot of times it's nice college. We'll play those afternoon games on the weekends and those kind of things and be able to pop in. But yeah, that, that's, that's how I put that list together. So when you're watching these games and you're watching these particular players, how are you watching the game? Are you really focused in on those two or three guys that potentially could be in this game? Are you watching the team as a whole and then just kind of seeing how this guy develops? Or I guess, how are you watching it as far as, as prospects are concerned during the games? Yeah, that's a really good question. I generally will focus on the players themselves, but then if it's a really close game and it's going to be an upset, I get caught up in it too. I, I always remind everybody, first and foremost, I am a fan of basketball. I love that more than just about anything else in the world. So I, I get caught up too. And then, then it's kind of like, oh shoot, I forgot to watch, but I also, I'm kind of maniacal about it I'll, I'll dvr games when i can and then i'll go back if there's something i missed to, to catch or something like that i generally reserve that for nba games but i'll do that during the tournament especially when you might have four or five guys playing at the same time um just the, the nature of the way the tournament schedule is so so i will focus on those players because i'm trying to use this as my opportunity to on the biggest stage what did this guy look like? And then I'll pair that for myself and my own thoughts with all the analysis of the great people who cover the draft all year round, you know, and that's what, what their, their work is. And then that kind of will tell me, like, if it looks like a player is, wow, man, this guy is locked in and ready to go right from the tip. I'll go back and look. And if I see, you know, regularly, no problems with motivation, then I feel like, all right, I feel pretty good about that. And then if it, comes back and it's like yeah sometimes doesn't look ready it's like all right well is he somebody who only gets up for the big games or you know vice versa does the player shy from the moment and you know back down and those kind of things so that's what i'm looking for there and then for some of these guys i'll be completely openly honest this is the first time i'm going to see them play so this is my jump start on the draft uh, work that i'll do later uh in the spring and into the summer because that that's when i'll start you know, leading up to the nba draft so i'm way behind the guys who do this for real but i use all their stuff then i start marrying it with my own work here but i'm not going to watch the you know two, 300 players like they all do it. I'm going to focus on these guys here. And then the top, you know, generally I try to see the top 75 to 80 guys as much as I can. How do you balance taking 
stock from what they do in this tournament to what they're doing in the regular season. Obviously, this is the biggest stage. This is the most high-pressure situation, most likely besides conference tournament games or big number one versus number two matchups during the regular season. But how do you find the balance of they could have a really bad game in the tournament, but they've had a really good regular season to, wow, if they can't handle it on the big stage, how are they going to do in the NBA? How do you find the balance of trying to, uh, you know, put a percentage of what you see here into how they could be in the NBA? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and, and I treat it almost like the same way I do in the NBA. I'm not going to judge anybody on their, their worst moment. I try not to judge them on their absolute best moment either. I really want to try to marry those and know, hey, sometimes guys have their worst game at the worst possible time. It happens. Um, but that comes into that, all right, I'm going to marry that. Then with the work I'm going to do later, plus the, the analysis that others have done to try to really understand, like, all right, is this a thing? Is this really a thing? If it was yeah, every time this player played against a top 25 ranked team, he struggled, then that's probably a red flag. And I want to look a little deeper into that. Um, I always think back to, I had, this was several years ago now, but I had a, a front office executive. I won't name him because he's still in the league. Mm -hmm. um, but he said, I hate the NCAA tournament because our owner is going to fall in love with some kid who isn't good, but has a good, you know, three or four game stretch and is going to demand like, we need to draft this guy. Look at how great he is. And then, he, and then he added, and it's only worse if he's from his alma mater. Um, you know, so that is just something that I, I try to balance too, is like, don't fall in love with a kid just based off of a, you know, a, a few game run here in March. But I admit it can be hard sometimes because you, you get caught up in it. You see a guy play and you're like, wow, man, this guy really is a lot of fun. So, you know, I, but, but it's, it's a balancing process. You're trying to, you know, respect the body of work versus just the small sample. For those, whether it's a, a diehard NBA fan listening here or a casual fan that does want to maybe pay attention more to certain players here throughout the NCAA tournament, maybe doesn't have a dog in the fight as far as a college or a team. What would your best advice be for them just to watch and maybe try to observe how what they can take away from watching potential first round, second round picks for, for your favorite team? Yeah, I, I think what, what it is is go look and try to get a sense of where you may be picking, uh, first of all, because I, I think that's going to be something that's going to help um, guide you there to know who to look at and then on that that list and it's on my twitter account i have everybody every player's top 100 rank now that's not the same as a mock draft rank right because a guy may be top 110th but he may be a center and a team picking eighth may really need a center so they may may slide him up their board and those kind of things but if you're looking and you all right i think our team's gonna have the 20th pick in the draft or in that range well, you probably don't want to spend a ton of time watching the guys who are the top five because you're probably not going to be there. Um, the other thing is, too, there, there is um, I like to call it bang for your buck teams where it's you watch Duke, you're getting like five or six draft prospects all in one game. Um, so try to pick out those games. Sometimes those happen a little later in the tournament. But the other thing, if you're fortunate enough to be off Thursday and Friday for me back in my corporate world, those are always vacation days. Um, mm -hmm. Use the windows, right? You've got you know, four windows all day long in Thursday, there's only one NBA game. 
um, on Thursday. So you really could lock in and watch college basketball all day long, but use those windows because that allow you to check out as many guys. And they do a pretty good job of staggering the start times too, where you can kind of pop in and out of games and, and go and find those things. So that's those, those are things I focus on, but look for the guys who are around your draft range, really try to find when they play, lock in on those guys and, and see them. But yeah, it, it can be a lot of fun with, with, with this. And there's, you know, they, there are some really, really good prospects in this draft. I think it's a, it's, I don't want to say it's like loaded, like maybe the last couple of years were, but there are some guys who can really play, especially in the top part. But what I've come to learn in my work here is it's also deep in depth, you know, so you once you get pat, you know, maybe the top five or six are really, really good. Then it flattens out a little bit, but it's a lot of really good players all the way through the twenties and maybe even into the early thirties. Some great advice there. Before we move into the NBA, I saw one of your tweets yesterday that really brought up a great question about how to fill out your bracket. Do you start with <laughs> one quadrant? Do you work on that all the way to the final four? Do you do by round and go first round for everyone and turn back around? Uh, did you ever get a consensus on, on what other people do and, and kind of how do you fill out a bracket? Yeah, I, there really wasn't a strong consensus. It's, uh, some people do it round by round. Some people do it. Most people seem to do it region by region. So they'll, they'll, as you said, they'll grab that quadrant and then go through, through that way. A handful of people replied and said the way I do it. And they said, and I've actually done well in these bracket contests is they work backwards. So they pick a champion and then work backwards through it and then just kind of go And their thought processes. The first round games are generally in most of these scorings are like worth a point a piece. So while it feels great to nail that 14 over three upset, it's only worth one point. You really want to make sure you feel confident in your champion. So I thought that was one for me. I do it the way I've done it forever. I always do my, my initial thought one, which is I look at it and I'm like, here's all my initial thoughts. Then I do one that is just kind of, I, I, I root for the new England schools. Cause that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I have them going way too far in the tournament. And then I'll do one with my, my wife and daughter where we'll just have some fun with that. My daughter tends to pick on like, all right, it's bears versus Eagles. Who would right. win in a matchup between a bear and an Eagle. As she gets a little older, she knows some of these schools now. So she tends to, Oh, I like that school. Maybe I want to go to college there. So she'll pick them and those kind of things. And my wife is a, she, she's from Ohio. So she tends to gravitate towards those schools. So we have a lot of fun with that. That's our own uh, internal little contest here in the Smith house. Love it. Love it. Um, let's focus on the NBA. Now we had you on, uh, I believe it was like a few weeks ago here. Um, talking about the Pelicans and the play in races. They were just, you know, basically catapulting, getting into that number 10 spot where they are right now, but hanging on by a thread. Um, they started off post all-star break four game winning streak. Looked like they couldn't be beat. And then they were beat four times in a row, including a really tough loss to the Orlando magic. And then now uh, bounce back win against the Rockets and lose the Phoenix Suns last night. So when you're looking at the standings and looking at where the Pelicans are, you see the Lakers are doing where they are struggling right now. It it seems like the Pelicans have been able to get a little lucky with the Blazers and the Spurs losing um, a few games here. Um, When when we talked before, we looked at the Pelicans' chances of making that play. And has that changed for you as far as what you think they might do as far as getting in or not getting in? Has your perspective changed on them since the last time we talked? I don't remember exactly where it was, but I'm yep. sure it has because I feel a lot better about them making the play in tournament now than, than I did before. I actually think that if they don't make it, it's probably going to be a slight disappointment. Um, I think Portland uh, through their 
their moves at the trade deadline, plus then subsequent injuries, they've pivoted into this is now developmental time for them. And they're, they're, they're not overly focused. San Antonio, I keep waiting for them to make that Spurs like run and really kind of do it. But it feels like they're content to just kind of, again, continue to focus on development. And they're, they're having games where it is um, rest games for guys where it feels like, man, if, if you were pushing to win every single game, you, you wouldn't be doing that. So I think um, almost by default, I like the Pelicans to get that last playing spot. I also so think though, they may catch the Lakers and that would be big. Cause then you get that home, home game right in that that uh nine ten plane. I don't think there's any chance either the Pelicans or Lakers or obviously anybody behind New Orleans catches the Clippers or the Timberwolves. They're just too far ahead. It just becomes math at that at that point. Right. Um but I do think the Pelicans can put themselves in a position, provided they get healthy, right? They've got to get some guys back. Um, but provided they get those guys back on the floor, I think they can win that 9-10 with the Lakers. And then I think they're going to be frisky in, you know, against either Minnesota or um, the Clippers. I think it'll probably be the Clippers um, that, 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 you know, loses in that, that uh, uh, 7-8 matchup. So then let's see, because then then it becomes, you know, a playoff spot on the line. But I do think that they've got a chance to be, you know, make a little bit of noise here because I I just kind of like the way the pieces fit together now. And that's obviously without having seen Zion, but it's it's you know, me even taking that out of the mix, they've got some guys who really get after defensively, and I think they've solved some of their non-Brandon Ingram scoring issues that they had with the acquisition of uh, CJ McCollum. He's obviously a great scorer and I think he's fit in really well there. And I, I, a last thing I'll say too, is sometimes people will say, does it matter though? Do we want to make the playoffs just to, you know, get bounced out early and those kind of things. I think it does um, matter in this case, because I think you've got a group of guys who want to go in there to get that experience because you're trying to use, whatever happens from now through the end of this season as your springboard into next year. So if you can get some of these younger guys, some of that, that playoff experience and see what it looks like in that first round of a playoffs, even if it doesn't go well, now you've done it, right? It's no longer the, you know, you're not going to be starry eyed getting there that first time if when you get there next year. So I, I do think it is important to continue to make this push. Yeah. I never understand that question from a sense of you're a fan of the team wanting them to lose especially more so in the case of trying to get into the playoffs or not. And I feel like the value of you don't want to get your team comfortable with not making the playoffs. Correct. For instance, Brandon Ingram has not been in the playoffs yet since he's been in the NBA. You want him to get that first taste this year yep. and then hopefully progress from them. So I get it if you're already eliminated and draft picks are on the line. Oh, yeah. But still, yep. <laughs> I think it's just crazy to me whether you want to make the playoffs or not. Why wouldn't you want to see Even if it's an 8-1 matchup, one, it's happened before where an eight's beaten the one. But – just to see where you stack up in your if you're in this rebuilding process and trying to see your team grow, why not see a, how Herbert Jones does against the Phoenix Suns in a, in a 1A matchup? How Jackson Hayes handles the pressure? I mean, these are all going to essentially be playoff games down the stretch for them, but it, it's crazy to me sometimes people propose that question. They've asked me that on our postgame show is, wouldn't you rather just see this team get in the lottery and, and get that pick? I'm like, no, because one, that pick is going to be 13 or 14 anyways if you're one of the last teams that does not make it in. And you rather see your team get that playoff experience. Even these playing games who technically don't count as playoff numbers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are playoff games for this team. So I yep. think getting in is huge for this team. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I, I always go back to, I look at it as teams don't generally make 
huge runs in their first time through the playoffs. Now everybody's going to point to the Suns last year. Different story, though. I mean, you had Chris Paul. That's a little bit different. If you got anybody who you want to say, hey, lead a young team through their first playoff run, it's probably Chris Paul's on your you know, list of four or five guys. So I think what happens, though, is get there. And, and like you mentioned, Brandon Ingram, get him in there and see what it's like to play the same team four, five, six, maybe seven times in the span of two weeks. And what is it? going against that same guy, you know, how do you have to develop your counters? How do you, you know, playoff series are always about the adjustments, then the adjustments to those adjustments. You know, how do you re- rework your, your mindset as you approach these things? I think that is so important. Then you mentioned like guys like Herb Jones, you know, what does it look like in the playoffs? Cause everybody says it's completely different, right? Every, every single NBA player you talk to says, man, I wasn't ready for that first playoff game. It just was a whole, whole different animal to it. And then the last thing I'll say is if you're looking at it as eventually, right, you want to beat the Phoenix Suns and that's the level you want to be at. Why not get a look at it now? What do we need to do? What is it we need to go get? How do we need to change the way we play? How do we need to do that to compete with a team like that at the top of the conference? Because that's where you're trying to get to, you know, in the end game. So yeah. And then last thing I'll say on it is you, you tank to avoid the playoffs and those kind of things. The basketball gods have ways of punishing you for mm-hmm. that. Rarely are you going to be rewarded. It tends to be those teams who played super hard, tried to make it, just didn't make it. Those are the ones that, you know, in my, my history, maybe I'm imagining this and being fanciful about it, but that's the ones where it's like, oh man, look at the lottery luck that jumped them from 13 or 14 into that top four because they played really hard and they're rewarded for that. So yeah, I, I, I don't like the idea of when you have a chance, go for it, try to make it. Cause it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. I kind of think of that with the Pelicans or back when it was the Hornets of Monty Williams. And again, all of his teams played hard and they ended up finishing with the fourth, the worst uh, record and ended up getting Anthony Davis and that because they were still mm-hmm. winning at the end of the season. So yeah, I'm a karma believer. So I think some of that works out. <laughs> In ways for the draft lottery. So absolutely. This has been a great conversation with Keith Smith, again, contributor to Spot Track, uh, the front office show and Celtics blog. You can follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA and check out his guide to watching the NCAA tournament, which is underway now. But the main course gets started tomorrow. It's two full days, Thursday and Friday of basketball from for us here in the central time, basically 1130 all the way until deep into the night. And thank God I have a TV in my office here, Keith. I really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the tournament like we always do, and uh, we hope to catch you down the road. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. There he goes, Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA Spot Track Celtics Blog Front Office Show. Um, Eighty-two thousand followers, way more than I do. And again, look out for that guy that can help you out. There's even some, including the playing games tonight between Rutgers and Notre Dame. So yeah, make sure you look out for that and uh, enjoy the March Madness to begin tomorrow. Obviously, we won't have a podcast for you tomorrow. We'll have one on Friday, but enjoy it just for your brackets. Uh, I'll already wish you all luck on your brackets. Hopefully, everything works out well for you and you're not ripping them up after day one. Um, We have a great podcast for you on Friday, the great Antonio Daniels, Valley Sports, New Orleans television analyst. And we're going to kind of change it up a little bit. I know this is a Pelicans podcast, and and for one of these podcasts, we're going to talk probably a little more Spurs than you would like, but I think for good reason, at least in my opinion. Uh, Greg Popovich became the winningest coach in NBA history. Of course, Antonio Daniels played for Greg Popovich when he was with the San Antonio Spurs. So I think for an NBA history standpoint, kind of want to hear some stories from Antonio, what it was like playing for Pop. I think you see this 
kind of rough exterior from him when he talks to the media and stuff. But I, I feel like there's a, a really genuine good man uh, inside. And I think Antonio will attest to that, too. So we're going to have Antonio on on Friday. Jim Eikenhofer will pop on afterwards as well. And we'll talk about the Pelicans and the Spurs and probably the biggest game of the year as the Pelicans are two losses ahead of the Spurs. But right now they hold the tiebreaker. Um, the Spurs have won both games this season so far. There's still two more matchups, but I wanted to bring Jim in as well to talk about this play and race because it could dramatically change from today until Friday. The Lakers play tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we're all Minnesota fans and we'll see what the Blazers do uh, here as well. Uh, 13 games to go. Buckle up, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so we'll bring you another great podcast on Friday as the Pelicans will take on the Spurs Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Central. Big thanks to Keith Smith once again. Again, enjoy the madness that begins tomorrow. Hope you all have a great rest of your Wednesday. And until Friday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CQ.